2: a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Let the word go forth.
1: Fool me once,
3: are you fired
1: up? If I'm not a crook.
3: Are you ready to go?
1: Shame on, shame on you. <laughs> it's Abe Lincoln's top hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, yeah. you can't get
3: fooled again. Hey, what's up everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, live from Dublin, Ireland. We've had such a great tour so far. Thanks to everyone who's come out to Amsterdam, Edinburgh, and we can't wait to continue our European extravaganza. It's just me today. The one thing I can say that's universal, unfortunately, about the world we currently live in is economic despair. Prices are going up, wages are going down, and my God, are people suffering out there. But that's all right because we can take the power back, specifically when it comes to the US elections that are right around the corner. So, this episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about some toss up swing states and some key Senate races and House races that, of course, are going to be shaking up the American political establishment. But before that, let's discuss this dude, Tommy Tuberville. Now, this guy's a real piece of work. He reminds me of the enemy from the original Machete, which is a fantastic feature film starring Danny Trejo as the aforementioned Machete. This man is also a former football coach. Now, what makes his words about reparations Worse is that technically he was in charge. Uh, He was the uh, man that ran the Cincinnati Bearcats football program. Now, obviously, there's a lot of black dudes in football. And Tommy Tuberville theoretically had a lot of power over their careers, over where their lives went. And I feel like this is one of those uh, reasons why we're seeing such... um, Bad race relations play out on the streets of America because if you can't trust your football coach to be non-bigoted, who can you trust? Perhaps that's a stupid statement for people that don't like sports, but in a in a game, specifically football, that is dominated by black athletes, you would like to imagine that the head coach would not hate the color of his players. Tommy Tuberville told a crowd, this is a quote, they want reparations because they think the people who do the crime are owed that. And then he said, and the crowd was like, oh, that's big. Again, that's a great thing for him to say. It's the same crowd of people that would be cheering when certain individuals of the color that he's referring to score a touchdown. And they say, oh, look at that fantastic young man scoring a touchdown. That's great. Oh, what's that? Does he have opinions? Oh, my God. Does he want criminal justice reform? Are there things in his life that he doesn't think are fair or right? Well, then he is wrong now. Go back to just playing football. Football, it reminds me of Laura Ingram saying, shut up and dribble. And it's like, I'm sorry, gal. You just need to shut up because everything you say is drivel. So Tuberville said this to the crowd and then he says, bullshit. What is happening and why is this kind of rhetoric working? It's divisive and it's why no one has any faith in the institutions. Again, a former head football coach, a United States Senator, speaking at a campaign rally with the Save America logo right in the front, talking about pro-crime Democrats and people who want reparations. It's so loaded and so nasty. And as we've talked about before on this show, it plays into the narrative of this Cold War that's taking place in in cities all across our country. As people say, yeah, I'm suffering. I know things are too expensive at the store and gas is going up. Thank you, OPEC but if i even think that my neighbor's going to be having a good time, well god dang it, let's both be miserable. and it's unfortunate and it's completely sad and it's tearing this country apart. so tuberville said, we're going to take our country back. i i don't know to when, um <laughs> to the stone ages perhaps. we're going to take our country back and we're going to straighten up education and we're going to close the border. Those two things don't really coincide. And of course, when we're talking about Tommy Tuberville, we're talking about Alabama. And I'm not exactly sure what he means by straighten up education, it being that Alabama, the state that he is in charge of, sucks at education, ranking in the lower percentiles consistently. Along with Texas. They're teaching to the test. They're not teaching these children anything. It's horribly uh, run. And as I've said before, we need schools to be funded not by municipality, but the state needs to fund them equally across the board so we don't have such economic disparity within our school systems. So Tuberville goes on to say, we're going to get inflation under control and we're going to stop this damn crime. You have to select and get Adam Laxitt, elected senator of the state of Nevada. So there you go. So he's campaigning for this other fella Adam lacks it. So let's talk a little bit about some of these key races that are crucial when it comes to who's going to control the Senate and, of course, the House. Let's start with Arizona. Mark Kelly, a Democrat, versus Blake Masters, a Republican. This is leaning Democrat. Currently, Kelly is up by around four percentage points. Now, of course, with Mark Kelly, uh, he is a former astronaut. He is someone who's been... Um, in the political sphere now for a little while, he does have some name recognition and I think overall a well-respected person. Arizona, however, as we've seen in the past, uh, whether it be with Carrie Lake winning her primary and looking as if she's not going to slow down at all as for her bid to become the next governor of Arizona, Arizona's a tricky state specifically for Democrats as, again, people are suffering in the country and they do um, demand results from their political leaders. And if the Dems bear the brunt of the current economic conditions, races like this could definitely go to the Republicans. So Mark Kelly, he is currently up according to the most recent Politico forecast rating. But again, as we've seen before, polls, people don't tell the truth. Perhaps the polling data that they're using is outdated or at the very least how they're getting the data is outdated. I remember when I was in college, that was the old year of 2003, and we were still doing all of our polling data a landline. And now obviously the cell phone had been around for quite a while. Landlines were still more prominent than they are now, but of course that's going to skew the polling data to an older audience and it's going to give you margins that really aren't indicative of anything. So two new polls last week from CBS News/Ugov and CNN showed that Democratic Sen- Senator Senator uh, Mark Kelly is running ahead of Republican Blake Masters. So we'll continue to watch that race. Masters has not yet led in any public polls. In a CNN poll, the percentage of likely voters with an unfavorable opinion of Masters was 51%. Now, of course, as we've talked about in this nasty era of American politics, I argue unfavorable ratings are more Predictive of how someone's going to vote than favorable ratings because people tend to vote for the lesser of two evils. It is what it is. It's unfortunate. And I really wish Schoolhouse Rock was more accurate. Right now, Kelly's unfavorable rating is at 42%. So he has a 42% unfavorable rating and Masters a 51%. So that's a powerful indicator on where the people of Arizona may go. Of course, 42% unfavorable, not exactly uh, awesome if you're a politician, but certainly not as bad as it could be. So that's going to be a key race to watch in Arizona as these midterms, again, rear their bizarre looking head. It's politics after all. Hollywood for ugly people coming in November. Let's go on to Colorado. Michael Bennett, a Democrat versus Joe Odea. Well, speaking of Ireland, Joe Odea sounds like he would fit right in with the people here in the beautiful land of the leprechaun in Dublin. The election forecast rating leans Democrat. According to a recent RCP poll, Bennett is up by 8.3 percent. Of course, Colorado, again, I love their governor. I think he's doing a good job and I think that he should really be talked about more when it comes to a possible presidential run in 2024, the state of Colorado. It's got some rural spots to it. Uh, Obviously, you think about Denver, you have your city centers as well. You think about legal weed and how awesome that is. Although I will say you don't have to put weed in beef jerky. You all know the story when I was on stage Uh, doing a show performing with Marcus and Henry for last pod and somebody threw some beef jerky on the stage I began to eat it and much to their dismay it was full of weed and thank God it didn't affect me until just after the show I ended up later on in the shower in the fetal position looking like Terminator had just been brought down to earth but without exercising so Right now, Democratic Senator Michael Bennett holds a nine-point lead over Republican Joe Odea, and uh, the Republicans have held out hope that Odea could beat Bennett, who won with just a plurality of the vote in 2010 and 2016. Uh, But of course, again, the man is an incumbent, and as we know in American politics, once you get in, it's difficult to get them out. So that looks good for the Democratic Party in Colorado. And of course, their governor, Polis, someone who I think needs to get more name recognition on the national stage as people like Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis continue to feel the oxygen when it comes to presidential contenders for 2024. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me
0: with these verbal attacks.
2: A new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Available wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Let's go to Florida. Marco Rubio in a tighter race than he thought was going to be with Val Demings. Now, this leans Republican. Let's not forget um, we are dealing with uh, a Florida that is something I haven't seen before. There's a lot of animosity right now, and the Democratic Party isn't exactly seen as um, the most awesome, viable alternative to the Republicans, despite everything that we're seeing politically come out of the fine state of Florida. And of course, our hearts, again, go out to everyone who is suffering from Hurricane Ian, which was so much worse uh, than is even being reported, in my opinion. I can't believe how nasty that storm was. Marco Rubio, a man who ran for president again in 2015 for the 2016 election, a man who I think was bruised pretty badly, actually, by Donald Trump. He was a race to the bottom. Donald Trump made it all, a it was a pig's wrestling and crap match. And of course, when you wrestle a pig and crap, you both get covered in shit. The only difference is the pig enjoys it. And in this case, of course, the pig being Donnie Trump himself. So Marco Rubio has a four-point lead over Val Demings. Uh, it is worth noting that the Mason-Dixon poll was conducted during the landfall of Hurricane Ian, and that, ironically enough, had Rubio up by six or seven points. So perhaps people, they see the storm coming, uh, they want to know, they, they want to have some security, uh, and perhaps the devil you know in this case is something that they decided to support more. But Val Deming giving a hell of an effort out there in Florida, and we'll see what happens. She is representative of a lot of folks in Florida. I just read a real interesting article on DeSantis cracking and fracking black districts in Florida, really destroying so many of the uh, black political power enclaves in Florida. Obviously, none of these things are on accident. He understands where his bread is buttered. And indeed, in this case, he doesn't think those districts support him enough. So he's going to do everything in his power to make sure that to uh, eliminate or decrease the black power in the state of Florida, not to mention, of course, what he's doing with immigration. And as we've talked about before, the demographics of Florida, they do tend to lean conservative. You know, you have a lot of Cuban Americans who many people would think, oh, they might lean more to the left, or perhaps they'd be against some of the rhetoric coming from the Republican Party. But strangely enough, many of them, because of their uh, whether it be faith based or uh, just hatred of Cuba, (laughs) they uh, they tend to agree more with the Republican Party on the social issues as of course the social war continues to rage in our political system, which is so unfortunate, which again is why I talked about Tommy Tuberville on top of this episode, because he is stoking those fires, stoking racism, and stoking the fears of the past in order to win current election. Georgia, now this race is absolutely fascinating. We've talked about it a little bit. This is Reverend Raphael Warnock, of course, he is the Democrat, and he is going against football player Herschel Walker. This is a toss-up. Herschel Walker has a lot of name recognition, three-time Heisman Award winner. No one's denying what he did on the gridiron. Fantastic football player. He was as fantastic at football as he is, horrible as a person. What I want to talk about just quickly is one thing the Republican Party does that the Democratic Party could do learn from. They don't care anymore about the person's, um, they don't care anymore about the person's credibility. They don't care about the person's uh, integrity. They only care about the person's vote. Now it's American politics. And technically that's really the only thing you should care about or need to care about at the end of the day. So with Herschel Walker. He's paid for multiple abortions. We know for a fact he paid for one and wanted uh, the gal that he paid for that abortion, the gal that got that abortion that he paid for to have another one. So you would think the hypocrisy would really hurt him. And now you listen to many of the Republicans that are going to continue to support him. Of course, the uh, MAGA crowd, And some of the other people who, you know, again, like Herschel Walker, simply because he's not a Democrat in the great state of Georgia, they say they don't care because he's going to vote the way that they want him to vote. So quite frankly, he could have been an abortion doctor and then they would say, Ooh, we don't like that. He did that in the past, but he's had a change of heart and he's going to vote the way that we want him to vote. So they don't care. So I think that's one of the things that is difficult for people to wrap their heads around when it comes to hypocrisy. They say this man paid for multiple abortions, you know, same thing with Donnie and so on and so forth. But they say, well, It doesn't matter because he's going to vote for the way he's going to vote the way that we want him to vote. And we don't really care about his personal life. So we'll see how much that plays into this race. I would have to imagine Raphael Warnock has uh, a bit of an edge. I think that I spent time in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. Now, granted, it's Atlanta might not be indicative of Georgia as a whole, but man, Raphael Warnock's ads were great. I think he's doing a good job of you know, getting his message out to the people. And of course, from the religious perspective, being a reverend, someone who is uh, perhaps a little bit more pious than Herschel Walker in a conservative state like Georgia that might be able to peel away enough support from the from people who would usually vote Republican to support Warnock. But again, it's about the issues, and we will see if all the personal baggage that Herschel Walker has comes into play, not to mention Herschel Walker's recent statements. The man is way over his head. He, there's no reason why he should be running. It seems as if he's running for personal clout, and he doesn't really care about the working people of Georgia which is exactly what the Democrats need to be focusing on almost exclusively is the economy and the working people of all of these states, because people are suffering and it's up to uh, the Democratic Party to message how they're going to help if uh, if they intend, again, to hold the House and win the Senate Uh, and, of course, hold the Senate as well. So we'll see what happens in Georgia. In Nevada, Catherine Cortez Masto versus Adam Laxalt. Now, of course, Adam Laxalt was the man that Tommy Tuberville was campaigning for. This is also a toss-up. As we know with Nevada, it's got some mega stripes through it. And it's really a toss-up for a reason. You know, you have some people who are um, economically despite the fact you think Nevada, you think Las Vegas, you think money, you think gold, you think glitz and glam. But in reality, the state is also suffering and we'll see exactly how that goes. Uh, Laxalt right now, according to an RCP poll, is up by two percentage points, well within the margin of error. So it's basically, again, tied up. New Hampshire has Maggie Hassan, a Democrat, versus Don Bullduck, This leans Democrat. Hassan is currently up six percentage points. So we shall see there. An interesting uh, race in North Carolina. North Carolina, another one of those states where it's almost more of an Ohio in some ways now. Uh, Well, what Ohio used to be because of Ohio. Ohio now is officially blood red, much like the blood sausage I've had here in Ireland. But North Carolina, you have some universities, you have a lot of educated people, you have um, a lot of diversity. So it's a state that really is representative of America as a whole in some ways. But Ted Budd, he is a Republican versus Sherry Beasley. Now, an RCP polling average has bud up by one percentage point. It doesn't matter. Again, that's a statistical tie. Um, But as we're seeing, as things continue to go the way that they are, you wonder if a state like North Carolina, with its universities, with so many of its people, uh, perhaps being a little bit ashamed of where the Republican Party has gone, if Sherry Beasley is able to win a tight race There's a lot of undecided voters. There's a lot of independents in North Carolina. And as we've talked about previously, the polling data, oftentimes it does not correctly inform us on what the state is actually thinking. Either they're not talking to the right people or only talking to specific amounts of people in hyper specific areas or straight up people don't know, or also they could
1: Visit caron.org dot org slash lost.
4: You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Ah! Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity mobile requires Xfinity internet reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.
3: Let's talk about Ohio. Of course, Travis Irvine, he's doing some good work there, attempting to uh, attack Pat DeWine from all sides in the great state of Ohio. I'm not sure what's happened it is definitely a Republican stronghold at this point. Well, when I say I'm not sure what happened, I actually am sure what happened. They fracked and they cracked and they destroyed congressional districts all over the state. They have been undermining our democratic process for Uh, oh my goodness, multiple administrations in a row. These things have resulted in one-sided political power that is not representative whatsoever of the great people of Ohio. Ohio, their workers are struggling. One of the areas where I think we're really going to start seeing some blowback, hopefully, from the working class people of Ohio, is when it comes to legalization of marijuana. Joe Biden recently said, If you are in federal prison for a marijuana violation, you will be allowed to exit said prison. Ohio said, hold my beer. I don't think that's a great idea. That's not a political winner, in my opinion. Ohio is a state that is falling behind the rest of the country economically and socially which I think could give a big boost to someone like Tim Ryan. Currently, it leans Republican. J.D. Vance is the man going against Tim Ryan. J.D. Vance, let's not forget, funded by Peter Thiel. Tim Ryan, he has funded much more grassroots. Uh, there's much more grassroots foundation for Tim Ryan. But as we know in American politics, money talks. J.D. Vance, a grifter, a man who was a never-Trumper until it was time to run for office, and then now he's a lover-Trumper. He can't get enough of the man, and he sucks the orange teat for all the political power he can possibly get. The dude is, in my personal opinion, a huckster and uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Tim Ryan, strong union man, someone who is talking to working class people, Ohioans, and someone who I really hope has his message heard because J.D. Vance is just going to be your typical bought and sold senator if he goes to Washington, a rubber stamp for Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party with zero independent thought, and again, a man who is willing to lie and say anything to gain political power, even if it means going back on his morals, because at the end of the day, all he wants is that Senate seat. I don't believe anything that he says. Uh, The man is, I believe, Harvard educated. He is pretending as if he relates to uh, working class Republicans. At the end of the day, will they buy it? Will they believe it? As he's funded again by the billionaire class, the billionaire class who, by the way, don't give a shit about us. They just don't. They want us to be automated. They want us to be robots so bad so they don't have to hear any more of our gripes when it comes to Starbucks employees, for example. Look at Howard Schultz. I mean, this man is supposed to be a, a liberal-leaning billionaire. I'm one of the good ones. He's just another asshole in a fancy coat trying to make money off of the backs of other people. Yes, fantastic. You started Starbucks. Great. You got 9,000 of the damn things. Unless you can multiply yourself like Michael Keaton in multiplicity, it's people that are running those that are not you. So please, God, if one place, if one business could unionize, Amazon tried. Jeff Bezos spent a lot of money squashing that. Starbucks has tried, and yes, of course, Howard Schultz, the great lover of humanity, has shut that down as well. So people like Tim Ryan, I've never been more pro-union in my life simply because the pendulum needs to swing back to the workers. Tim Ryan's message should be resonating with the struggling people of Ohio. But again, As we know, with what what happened with OPEC, oil prices, pain at the pump, and of course, what's going on in the grocery stores. Joe Biden is president, whether it all is to blame on him or not, obviously, mostly not. But uh, the president bears the brunt of the economy, and of course, his party does as well. So that race, we're going to keep a close eye on it. J.D. Vance belongs nowhere near Washington and is not going to give a flying crap about the working class people of Ohio. Pennsylvania, we've been talking about it. This race got crazy close. Okay, this is Mehmet Oz versus John Fetterman. Fetterman the Democrat, Oz obviously the Republican. You would have asked me a month ago, I'm thinking Fetterman all the way. I don't think it was going to, I didn't think it was going to be close, but Ironically enough, he is going against a doctor and his medical condition is coming into play. The stroke that Fetterman had, he's going to get better. It will be fine. He's working through it in the public eye, which is not easy. But people want to be able to trust that the person they're voting for is going to be able to do the full six-year term and be able to do it confidently. So I think it really hurt him. This race has tightened up. Fetterman is still up by around three or four percentage points in most polls. But again, as we know, polling data is historically inaccurate and uh, it could really go either way. One thing that team Fetterman has to be happy with is that Dr. Rods has a 51% unfavorable rating. And as I just mentioned Uh, unfavorables in many ways are more powerful than favorables. Also, Dr. Oz is sending some very interesting messages. For example, standing outside um, or standing in front of rather at the Lion Air Museum in Southern California, he took a picture uh, next to uh, Adolf Hitler's car that has like a swastika on it, you know, because it's Adolf Hitler's car. And he really loved uh, he was Buddhist, you see. And so that's why he has the swastika there. So he, uh, that's a joke. He took a picture over this past weekend and it's him giving a speech in front of Adolf Hitler's car. Now, I don't know if it could get any worse than Sarah Palin giving a speech in front of a bunch of turkeys being killed. Granted, I'll love a good turkey on Thanksgiving. I'm just talking about theatrical backdrops here. Turkey's being murdered and Hitler's car. If I was in the campaign of either of these people, I would say, you know what? Let's move to the left a little bit. We don't really need the backdrop of Adolf Hitler's automobile, as of course, you're spewing a bunch of nonsense. So Dr. Oz, a man who is getting cash from very, very wealthy donors, and most importantly, a man that is not from Pennsylvania. I don't even, it shouldn't even be legal for him to run, but that race has really tightened up and it's a surprise in many ways. And, uh, I, uh, am just fascinated to see what happens. So those are just nine key races to watch. Anything can happen in these midterms. It's a really exciting time, you know, stay positive and, um, and, uh, you know, stay active and, uh, you know, vote vote your heart. It just seems to me as if the Republican brand right now between Herschel Walker, J.D. Vance and Mehmet Oz is drifters, hucksters and people who have no desire to actually lead. They have no ability to lead and they have uh, no just the, the scruples, the uh, idea of a senator with any kind of morality, with any concern for working class people, I just don't see any of them caring whatsoever about what people are going through. Also, just lastly, Alex Jones on the next episode will play a little sound. It's pretty bare bones on this episode. I'm just sitting here in the hotel room talking to myself. But Alex Jones has been uh, ordered to pay almost a billion bucks, $965 million to the Sandy Hook, to eight uh, victims, uh, eight parents of Sandy Hook victims. Uh, he has said that he's just going to keep it tied up in court, saying literally, folks, all it takes, folks, it's a $1,000. I can, for, for tens of thousands of dollars, I can keep this tied up in court, folks. He's telling everyone a little bit too much information. I'm sure his lawyers weren't thrilled with that. But that is about respecting and just showing a little bit of human dignity, people who are currently suffering. Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, when she comes to your aid, you're doing something wrong. When she supports you, you got to change whatever the hell you're doing that she's supporting. She says, I love Alex Jones and I support him. And this is about the first amendment. You know me. I love the first amendment. I'm exercising it right now. That was not about the first amendment. That was about hunting down parents, Of victims, and Alex Jones has said he's going to continue to hunt down the parents of all these victims, including Uvalde and so on, which is a whole nother conversation that we need to get to at some point. And of course, we will. So, there you go, everyone. Just a little update on what to look forward to. Uh, Everything's been great out here, the travels have been fine. Still don't need an extender on my seatbelt, which is awesome. And I'm going to start, you know, I've been slimming down. I've been walking a little bit more. So that's been good. And overall, yeah, everything is going well. And I hope you're doing well out there. And I will, uh, the boys, um, Fernando and Travis Irvine are going to have Sina Ghaznavi on talking about what's going on in Iran. Which, oh my God, I feel like history repeating and repeating and repeating. But I really hope this protest This revolution, in some ways, sticks because the powers of Iran, the theocracy that it is, it needs to be dismantled. And it's horrible, obviously, in this context, what they're doing to women, what they do to anyone that steps out of their very limited worldview is horrific. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Hail yourselves. I'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible
4: by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
0: Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him.
1: Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.
4: You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter oh! or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It beats making money as a human cannonball. Oh! Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.